Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. by now keep on your feet why don't you turn to someone give them a high five tell them they're looking absolutely gorgeous yeah fantastic you're looking gorgeous I tell you what come on the Bible says the Bible says call things that be not as though they were why don't you tell them they're looking younger today tell them they're looking younger than when you last saw them yeah fantastic wonderful Fantastic. Well, well, well. Great to be back. And uh, it, it is always an honor to speak anywhere, um, you know, to God's people, and especially on a day like today. Because today is a day where, and correctly so, expectations are high. Now, I don't take that onto myself. I put that onto the Word of God. Because if expectations were just on me, I would let people down. But I thank God that His Word never fails. The Bible says His Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when God speaks His Word, which He already has in the Word of God, the Bible, it says His Word will not return empty. So I'm expecting today for His Word to go out there, both into our own hearts, out of our own mouths, and into our atmosphere, and for that Word to fulfill everything that God said it would do. Is that okay? So I'm expecting today, and um, I'm excited about that. Thank you very much, Kevin and Cheryl. Why don't we appreciate your pastors right now? Because they are absolutely... Fantastic. <laughs> great, great, great. Yeah. Absolutely right too. Absolutely right. You know, some people give up and some people keep going. Yeah, some people give up. I mean, seriously, I've been doing this a long time. I've been pastoring now 25 years. I've uh, been a Christian for 30 years and I'm 50 years old, all in this same year. So this is a bit, I know I was told, this is no word of a lie, the week before Christmas I was told three times I looked no more than 42. <laughs> They're blind. No, shut up you. But, um, so I've been doing this a long time. Michael said to me last night, we were in the lift and it only had downlighters. You know what downlighters do for you, make you look really baggy and saggy and he said you got big bags under your eyes I said yeah thanks for your word of encouragement there Michael but um, anyway I feel like I've been doing this a long time as well but, but you know some people I've seen come and go and you know perhaps things don't go their way or perhaps they've got a bigger vision well I hope we've all got a bigger vision than that which we see that's the quality of leadership that we always have got to be you know out there with our vision out there with our expectation and of course that means we don't ever fulfill our vision we don't ever fulfill our expectation because if you fulfilled it means you've run out yeah, and we're never supposed to run out of anything never supposed to run out of vision and um, you know it's it's just great to come here today and there is there is a new spirit in this place there's a fresh spirit there's a whole load of new people that's just great we're loving this 
fantastic. You know, that happens in church life. There can be turnovers. There can be, you know, a bit of an adjustment. Things can happen, but it's always for good. It's always to go from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. It's always to take us onwards and upwards. And um, I spoke earlier in the year, last year, <coughs> excuse me, um, a series called The Journey. And it was a series about how life is a journey. I think we've all learned that by now. And um, our opening sermon on that, the opening sermon was, um, I called it the road to success. And of course, that really engages with everybody in this generation and our society today. It's all about success, success, which the Bible speaks about. But then the first half of the sermon, I really smashed the idea that there is a road to success. There's no road to success. There's a road of success. There's a road of success. It's not about, well, that's where I'm going, and it's there, and it's what... No, it's the road you're on that is the successful road. It's how you live your life. It's, it's who you take along um, on your journey. It's, it's who you put your life into and who puts their life into you. It's the, it's the intimacy that you have with God that really determines the quality of the road you're on. The road is supposed to be a successful road. If you are expecting today to reach some, you know, destiny, oh, it'll happen this year and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there. You're going to be sorely disappointed because the Bible is full of words and of examples where God says, be content today with what you have and with who you are. Be content, well, not only with who you are, because we've always got to be developing, but always live in that, in that realm every day of your life where you are satisfied in God and you're putting your whole self into the moment. I spoke earlier this year, um, and it was this year, 2015, I think the opening sermon down in Citygate was, was, you know, celebrate the past, embrace today, and pursue the future. And those three things always have got to go hand in hand, but today's a first fruit offering. Today is a day where we are expecting. Today is a day where there is a spirit of breakthrough in the house, and God wants to partner with your faith. He wants to partner with your expectation. He wants to partner with the promise of God that is alive in you for something to come to pass over the next, I don't know, 12 months, 6 months. It may take 2 years. I want to turn to Elijah today from 1 Kings chapter 17. And, um, and I want to you know, just say some things from there that I think are going to echo in people's hearts as a result of today. In 1 Kings 17, um, it's the first time that we read of Elijah the Tishbite. I'm not going to speak for a long time today. The, you know, the clock is ticking down, so stay with me. We're going to go fast because we want to pray for everybody today. We want to you know, lay hands on you. I don't know if we've got oil. I don't know if we, it doesn't really matter. we got hands and we got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Who gives a rip about oil? <laughs> I carry around a little bottle I bought for five. But no, I don't actually. Let's not go there. If you buy this, brother. <laughs> anyway, and um, Elijah the Tishbite, verse 1 of the inhabitants of Gilead. I told the people at the back to go from verse 3, so you won't have this first two verses. Elijah the Tishbite um, of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And I want to ask firstly today, do you know the power of your words? Do you know the power of your words? Now, you know, it's very easy to think all he did was go up to Ahab and say, no more rain till I say so, and then go. But if you turn to the book of James chapter 5, it says this, for it says Elijah 
was a man just like us and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it didn't rain in the land for three years and six months. Now if we go to this verse here in 1 Kings 17, we don't find any praying. We don't find any praying. All we find is the declaration of no rain. But I can guarantee you this, unless he had been in effective, fervent, heartfelt, continued prayer, that word would have done nothing. Are you with me today? So in some ways I want to say today, absolutely there's power in our words. I'm a word of God preacher. I I absolutely believe in the power of our words. But that has to be undergirded with a life of prayer and a life of faith. It's not just, well, we've come here today and we're going to say one thing and expect everything to change. No, this is about the effective, fervent, heartfelt, continued man. Sorry, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, which is released in Ahab, there'll be no more rain. Does this make sense? There's a partnership of our daily life and the instant of breakthrough. Today is a moment of breakthrough, no doubt. Today is a day when stuff is going to happen, things are going to take place, lives are going to change, you know, finances are going to be transformed, no doubt. But let's not just think it's just because of a day. It's because of a relationship with God that results in a day like today. And he says this, There shall not be dew nor rain these years except to my word. Then, verse 2, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here, turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went, did according to the word of the Lord, and he stayed at the brook which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now that may sound absolutely wonderful, but I don't know about you, I don't want to be fed from bird spit. Yeah? Just being, you know, don't think they dropped a cow or some fillet steak. Yeah? They were dropping worms. I just thought I'd just throw that one out there. They would, yes, it was meat, they were dropping meat. What sort of meat would a raven get hold of? from a carcass yeah now there are times in our lives when the very words we speak end up with us having to go through a a season that we don't really enjoy and it's because there's a bigger picture everybody say bigger picture it's very easy for us to think just of life going round our feet well I don't like manna and quail not after 40 years you don't I don't like birds I nearly said droppings, but it's not. The birds, but I don't like birds droppings either. But birds, um, you know, what they, I don't want to be fed by ravens. I don't know about you. And then the next verse, we find this. It says this, verse 7, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Flipping it, God, I thought I'd spoken your word and I'm the anointed man of God and I'm the prophet and everything else. And now I'm getting fed by birds that are picking meat out of carcasses and it's yuck and, it's, and I've got this every day. And now the very brook that you told me to go to has dried up. The very brook. Well, why is it dried up, God? Well, because you told it to stop raining, eh, um, Elijah. It was because of what he'd said. And I want to say this to us today. We are going into the next bit, which is all about first fruit and about a first offering and about honoring God first. But you know what? There are times in our lives when because of the big picture, God takes us on a journey. He takes us through stuff. 
You know, it was great. What a great testimony. Kevin stood up earlier and, and said, you know what, we got a phone call last week, a couple of weeks ago, this week, whenever it was. And this is, I know this is as a result of that offering and this offering and whatever. Why? Because, because it just is. That's where his faith was. That's what they were doing. I can remember praying about this stuff. Laying hands on you, believing God with you for these things. And now God is starting. That's not the only thing you're going to get, but that's now God's saying that, you know, these things are starting. Things are going to open up for you. Things are going to happen. Why? Not because just of a day, but because of a walk for two years. Because of a walk for two years. Not just a, you know, God's a slot machine. I put in me 10 quid and I'm believing. Absolutely, God will return a hundredfold. God is a God that you will reap whatever you sow if you do not grow weary, the Word of God says. And I want to encourage you today that you've come with your faith high, you've come with your expectation high, perhaps you did the same thing last year, and I believe, God, you're going to do the same thing next year as well. But I want to say this, God is looking for more than just an offering today. He is looking for an offering, but He's also expecting a life of, but I'm just going to keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. All the Nemo fans said, yes. Fantastic. God speaks through Nemo. No doubt. If you haven't seen it, you haven't lived. (laughs) Are you getting this today, yeah? There is a moment of breakthrough, absolutely. So everything all happened. He was being fed by birds and the brook dried up then the word of the Lord came to him again and said arise go to Zarephath which belongs in Sidon to Sidon and live there see I've commanded there a lady to provide for you now if I'd got this word I would have thought rich widow I want one of them I've got Sharon but I don't I don't mean replace I don't mean replace Sharon I don't mean replace Sharon but I want a rich widow Don't, don't you want a rich widow don't be all holy on me. Just, um, dear God, I want a rich widow. Jesus was fed by some of them. Fantastic. You read Luke 8 too. It says all these women were, were, were giving to the ministry of Jesus. I reckon there were some rich widows in that group of people, along with the wife of Chusa, which is um, uh, Herod's head steward. I mean, these people were, were absolutely pouring finances into Jesus' ministry. No wonder he was so rich. No wonder he, you know, had the best cars and, uh, you know, lived in the best places and, and wore the best clothes. And if you don't believe that, you're not reading the same Bible that I am. He was a very rich man. On the cross, he became poor. In his life, he was absolutely wealthy. And here we go. God has said, go, I've commanded. And I think in his mind, he thought rich widow. Fantastic. I'm going from ravens and dried up brooks to rich widows. (laughs) Fantastic. And he gets there and he finds what was not anything like a rich widow. He finds someone who's gathering a couple of sticks, a few sticks, and he called to her and he said, please, can you bring me some water in a cup that I may drink? And as she was going to get it, he said, oh, also bring me some bread in your hand, verse 12, as the Lord God, as the Lord your God lives. You know, she wasn't even saying, as the Lord my God lives. As the Lord your God lives, I'm, I'm out of here. I've tried this stuff, it don't work. It's where she was. As the Lord God of, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a bin 
and a little oil in a jar and see I'm gathering a couple of sticks. A couple of sticks. We can do with two sticks. A couple of sticks. She didn't, you know, she didn't even say a few sticks. She said a couple of sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we're going to eat it and die. I mean, Miss Positive, this is the sort of woman you want in your church, not. No, we want everybody, but we want to change these sorts of people. <laughs> Just everything's like, oh, forget this. God doesn't work. This stuff doesn't work. I'm only getting a couple of sticks because that's all I'm believing for. And then I'm going to eat and die. Come to the party, eh, Elijah. It's like, oh, great. So he says this. And, he, and it says, Elijah said to her in verse 13, Do not fear. Go and do as you've said. But make a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. This is an absolute confrontation of the priorities in her life. He wasn't apologizing for saying this. He wasn't, you know, trying to make it sound nice. He said, no, you, you, first of all, you do that for me. First, feed me. Then, let's see what happens. First, feed me and then go and do what you want. And he said, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour will not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went away and she did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke through Elijah. Just an incredible transformation. And from this one offering, from this one first fruit, if I can call it a first offering, where she honored God first, where she put God first over and above her circumstances, over and above her feelings, over and above her family, over and above all of that stuff, her own health, her own life, she put God first. She honored God first. She put the kingdom of God first. And as a result of that, it didn't just affect her life. It affected his life. No more was he fed by ravens. Now he was fed. Now he was fed by a rich widow. When you've got a, a jar that doesn't run dry in the middle of drought, when you've got a you know, flower that doesn't run dry, when you've, when you've got this stuff in the middle of drought, you are the source of prosperity. You're the source of prosperity we've been having in this nation, actually around the world. Don't just moan about this country. This is around the world. We've been hitting financial hardship for a number of years now, five, six, seven years. Who says it's going to get any better? I don't know what it's going to do. But I thank God that this world and this economy is not my source. The kingdom of God and my own faith and my own honoring of God is my supply and my source. No matter what is around me, I can stand on the word of God and see his word come to pass. And I can take for myself my bin of flour will not run dry as I honor God and put him first place in my life. Can I hear an amen? So we want to talk just a little bit. I've got seven minutes left. Wow. What is first fruits all about? First fruits in the Old Testament was an offering. It was an offering that happened every year. And you mustn't confuse that along with the tithe because the tithe was something that you gather at the end of your harvest or you, or you identify at the end of your harvest. How do you know what 10% is till you've reaped it all in? You don't know that at the start. Don't think a tithe is a first fruit. A tithe is not a first fruit. It's a last fruit. 
if I could put it like that, because you get in your harvest and then you say, well, that's all the barns filled. How many barns have we got? Well, we got, I don't know, 13 barns. So 1.3 barns is a tithe. And then we'll give that to God. And they did that every year or every three years. And that was under the law. Now, thank God we're not under the law, but that's the principle. That's the principle about honoring God with the last bit, you know, the tenth, as it were. Now, for us, as as the, you know, the family of God and the church of Jesus Christ, it's easy for us to do that because we get, 80% of us probably get a salary once a month. And it's the same thing that we always get. So it's very easy to just set up your standing order, just straight wham back into the church and do that. We got, you know, probably over half the church now going for standing orders. We're saying, come on, guys, let's just... You know, let's just settle this like we do everything else. The gas bills and the school fees and the this and the that. Let's just settle this. Let's not say, oh dear, do I feel led? Let's just settle this once and for all. We're going to honour God with the tithe. We're going to honour God. We're going to put Him first. And if you don't ever settle that one, you're really never going to trust God with your finances and see this sort of stuff come to pass in your life. Let's just settle the, you know, the entry point. This is entry level. This is, this is you know, Christianity 101. Let's honour God financially and see what God will do. But then this whole first fruit deal, the Bible is full of examples of first in the Bible. You know, it says a number of times, seven times in the New Testament about doing something first. Um, It says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek it first. Seek it first in time and in priority. It's the first thing you do and it's the most important thing you do. Seek the kingdom of God first and everything else will be given unto you. You see, when you put God in his right place, everything else will be in its rightful place. When you put God where he should be, everything else will be where it should be. The Bible says if you're going to steal out of a strong man's house, you've got to first, you've got to bind the strong man. And so often in our prayer life, we need to go to the realm of the spirit before we ever try to do something in the natural. Let's go into the realm of prayer first and say, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to allow influence into my situation. I declare I'm the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I bind everything that he's trying to get around my circumstances to confuse or restrict my life and we bind the strong man, then you can spoil his house. You see, there's always a first and then a then. A first and a then. First and a then. Honour God first, then you can prosper. Put God first, then you'll get your breakthrough. Give to God first, then your finances will overflow. Honour God with the first fruit, and then your barns. You know, it says in Proverbs 3, verse 9, uh, it says, Honour the Lord with your first fruits, with your substance and the first fruits of all you increase. So then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will overflow with new wine and new oil. It's just fantastic what God does as a result of us doing stuff first. Everybody say first. First, you see, today's a first fruit offering, and I want us to get our faith so high and our expectations so high that we're believing God for barns filled. We're believing God for vats overflowing. Perhaps over the last year you've been fed by ravens. It's time for a rich widow. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah. Rich widows. I think that's a word for somebody here. <laughs> So, it also says, for some people, you've left your first love. You've left your first love. There's a first love of God. It's in this place, all over this place. 
make sure it's all over you. The first love of God. Oh, I could spend hours just on that. When you first fall in love, when you first fall in love, it, it's, just, it's just emotional. It's, it's life-changing. It's impacting. It's, it's like, you know, oh. When you first fall, it was for me. When you first fall in love, it's like, oh. There's a first love for God that's never supposed to grow cold or dry. And if you've lost that, you know what the Bible says? It says, return and do the first works. There are first works. You did stuff when you first got saved that perhaps you've called off. When you first got saved, you were jumping and going for it. But now you've been saved a bit of time. Oh, no, we don't do that anymore. We've calmed down a bit. That was just emotionalism. No, it's commanded in the Bible, dance before the Lord. Dance before the Lord with all your might. David did it. Find it all the way through the Bible. Thank God we don't have tambourines now. <laughs> Thank God. But there was an older person in the Bible when they come through the Red Sea, she grabbed her tambourine. Please don't grab a tambourine. Well, I'll say it again. We are redeemed from tambourines, all right? We are redeemed. They've, they've gone. What we've got are these. Okay? So don't be bringing it back with your ribbons and all the rest of it. No, we don't want that. We don't want that. <laughs> Let's not go there, right? <laughs> but sometimes we need to go back and do our first works to stir up that first love. I don't feel in love anymore. We'll do what you used to do and the love will stir again. The Bible talks about on the first day of the week they gave an offering. This is all in the New Testament. The Bible says don't try and clean the outside of a person. First, clean the inside and then the outside will clean up. See, there's a first and a then. So often we want the then before we've done the first. But God says today, come on, honour me with the first fruits. Honour me where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Why does it have to be about money? Exactly because of that reason. Because it's the toughest thing that God ever gets through to in a person. It's the toughest thing. Man, you talk about money in this country... Not just Scotland, England, Ireland, Wales, probably in the West. Talk about money. People get freaky. They just get, mm, money. You're after money. <laughs> Look what the Bible says about money. There's more about money in the Bible than faith and prayer put together. More verses, over 500 verses. Just incredible. God's really hung up about money. Why? Because we're so hung up about it. You cannot serve God and money. We spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week trying to get some of it and then we say it's not important to us. Who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? Oh no, I'm not led by money as we take our fourth job. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Money's a big deal. Let's not, let's not you know, try and apologize. Money's a huge deal, but the thing we've got to do is honor God first with our money. Put God first in these things and as we come to a first fruit today we're going to be honoring God financially why because it's an expression of our heart we're honoring God and you know I'd love in fact I will let me just turn to Elijah uh, sorry uh, first Kings 18 
and um, this is after all this stuff has happened with Elijah. We've seen the fire of God fall. We've seen the bulls burn up. We've seen the water all around the trenches all licked up. We've seen him run away from the witch, which is Ahab's wife, uh, Jezebel. And, um, and so, you know, he's, you know, he's all depressed about that and going, I'm the only one left. You know, Elijah's been through a lot. But then he prays again. And he says in verse 41 of 1 Kings 18 that he, I mean, he says to Ahab again, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah goes to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground. He put his face between his knees and he got into that place of the spirit where we are today. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there's nothing there. So Elijah gave up and said, well, that didn't work. Is that what he said? He said, go look again. Go look again. Come on, go look again. Go look again. Why? Because I can already see it on the inside. I don't have to look with these eyes. I can see it already down in here. But I want to see the evidence in my everyday life. But I've already got it. I've got it down here. I'm not putting up with your, there's nothing there. I'm sorry, there is something there. Go and look again. How many times have we, you know, I said to the boys, I can't find something. Go and have another look. I know it's there. I know it's there. Go and have another look. We said this morning as we checked out the hotel, I said, now make sure you hadn't left anything. Didn't trust him, so I looked. No offense, he's not even listening, look. (laughs) He said, look again, look again. Seven times, look again. Some of us look once and give up. Some of us look once and give up. Well, I did that last year, or I tried that before, or I prayed that prayer before, or I laid hands on somebody and they died, so I'm giving up on that one. (laughs) Been there. Then it came to pass the seventh time (laughs) that the, the guy comes back. Now, I don't know. I just don't know if he was telling the truth, or he was really fed up. We keep going up to the top and having a look. I don't know. I think, I hope he was telling the truth because it's a good principle. But if he was lying, I don't blame him. Really. I just keep going, flipping out. There's nothing there. Go again. All right, I'll tell him. Yeah, there's something there now. All right, it's about this big. Now, I don't know. But whatever happens, (laughs) I I, know. Okay, let's, let's say this. There was a cloud there, all right? There was a cloud there. He said... There's a cloud as small as a man's hand. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how big it is because it's bigger on the inside than it ever will be out there. There's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. What, from that little thing? Listen, I'm not looking at that, I'm looking at this what I've got on the inside. Now, in the meantime, it happened. The sky became black with clouds and wind and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Something happened over this whole journey he was on when he honored God, when he put God first, when he declared a a drought that then he had to experience. And then he went and he was fed by the burns and he didn't have an attitude and the brook dried up and he didn't get an attitude and he went and found not a rich widow, a poor widow and he didn't have an attitude but he just said the word of God and God broke through and then we find someone raised from the dead and then we find bulls burnt up and then we find a witch trying to kill everybody and then we find all this stuff but it ends up, it ends up 
with the hand of the Lord come upon Elijah and he turned into a superhuman prophet. He ran faster than a king's chariot. And I suppose there's something on the inside of me and, you know, I'm not saying this is a word from God for this church or a word of God for the body of Christ or a word of God, but I tell you what, if God speaks it to you, grab it. He's certainly spoken it to me. The drought is over in Jesus' name. The drought is over in Jesus' name. Lay hold of it if that's for you. The drought is over. The drought is over. The drought is over. Look for the signs. Look for the signs. Oh, well, there's nothing really happening. Look again. Look again. The signs are there in Jesus' name. Whether it's a testimony before this or whether it's a little thing that's happened in your life. Come on, the signs are there. Don't dismiss them. Don't dishonor God by saying, that's not enough, God. Embrace it and say, that's all I need. That's my breakthrough today. That's all I need in Jesus' name. That encouraging word from the boss, that's all I need. My breakthrough's coming. That word from the doctor, that well, perhaps it wasn't as bad as it was last week. That's all I need in Jesus' name. The drought is over and we are going to believe God today for some incredible breakthroughs in this place. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise here today. God, we praise you. God, we praise you. We're going to go straight into our first fruit offering right now. We are going to believe God. We're going to put our faith to work. We're going to put our faith to work. There's a point of contact. There is a point of contact. What do I mean by that? When you lay hands on the sick, it's not like, perhaps this is the person here. It's not, it's a lectern, but I know some people who look like this, so this will be fine. But, um, you know, it's a bit like, um, you know, it's not like, oh, dear Jesus, come and, come and move and, and do something here, Lord. <laughs> No, that's not what we do. There's a point of contact. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And there's a point where you release your faith. There's a point when you, that which we have, we give. In the name of Jesus, get up. There's a point where we put our faith to work. There's a touch, whether it's oil, whether it's your hand, whether it's spit and clay, whether it's spit and put your finger in the ear, whatever it is, there's a point of faith release. And today we're going to lay hands on you. And that's not some hovering thing. And, you know, can I just be really, you know, honest about this? What I really, you know, I don't get when people, I'm laying hands on them and they come up and they're sort of all like, stand up, Kevin, I won't do this to Cheryl. You know, and I'm saying, <laughs> come on, let's pray. And they go, yeah, let's pray. <laughs> and it's like, get I'm laying hands on you. Take your hands off me. Come on, I'm giving something to you. We're not like, oh, let's pray. It's like, you know, so come on. If I'm laying hands on you today, please don't be laying hands on me. I'm laying hands on you. Is that okay? <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> no, seriously, I'm laying hands on you. They're laying hands on you. Who else is praying? Are you guys praying? You're laying hands. Anybody else? Or is it the five of us? Wonderful. Five. That's the number of grace. <laughs> Just so you know, how very spiritual. If it was seven, that would be the number. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.